You're listening to the Young People in the Arts podcast. Talks, discussions and thinking intended to empower change in the next generation of arts leaders. To find out more, please visit ypia.co.uk, follow ypia underscore UK on Twitter or find us on Facebook and Instagram. This episode is a recording of a recent YPIA event titled Post-Colonial Perspectives, Rethinking the Music Curriculum, which took place in February 2021 over Zoom. The event was chaired by Ishani O'Connor, Learning and Participation Manager for the Chinake Foundation, and the panel included Rachel Adederan, Associate Assistant Principal, Head of Music and Diversity and Inclusion Lead at Skinner's Academy in Hackney, and Nate Holder, Musician, Author, Speaker and Music Education Consultant. Welcome everybody, it's so great to see so many people um, here to listen to this discussion. Um, I just wanted to just have a framework for what we're talking about this evening. Um, as we know, music as an academic pursuit is kind of under threat in UK schools at the moment. And alongside that, we still are wrestling with this idea of a more inclusive music curriculum or a more inclusive curriculum in general. So this evening's um, discussion will give us um, three different varied perspectives on that subject. So first of all, I'd really love to um, introduce Rachel and just talk, ask her to introduce herself and just talk about um, why this particular debate and discussion is important to her in her practice. Thanks Ashani. Um, so my name is Rachel, I am Head of Music um, at Skinner's Academy in Hackney and I'm also Associate Assistant Principal um, and as Shannon said my role encompasses um, equality, diversity and inclusion strategy and also well-being but I also am Head of, of Music and I've been a Head of Music um, for 12 or 13 years now. Um, I have a background in both steel pans and um, more classical flute and piano. Um, was brought up in the West Midlands, so belonged to a stage side steel band, but also had um, flute lessons, piano lessons, and then went on to read law at university. So I came to music teaching um, a slightly wiggly route. Um, and I've taught in and, and led in music departments in Nottingham City, right in the centre of Nottingham, um, in Derbyshire County, very, very contrasting. And now I'm in Hackney in London, in North London. Um, and I think the key thing for me around this issue is that if we do rethink the secondary music curriculum through a post-colonial lens, there is a huge capacity for change. It, this is not a small thing. Um, this is something that could make a massive impact. If we believe in equality, there are clear issues with the views and the values that are implicitly and explicitly taught through the curricula that are on offer to secondary school pupils in this country. Um, and I also believe very strongly that it's really important that young people see themselves, see each other, see cultures that are their own and also are not their own in the music that they study in schools. And at the moment, that's not something that is readily available to them. And I think as well, the third reason that this is really, really important to me is that I believe that music teachers and music educators deserve a better um, a better approach, a better resource, a better vehicle to deliver their teaching. Um, there are a lot of restrictions and there are a lot of people who are looking for alternatives. So those are the reasons why it's really important to me. Brilliant, thanks so much, Rachel. Um, now um, I'd love to introduce Nate Holder. Hi everyone. Um, 
yeah sometimes you know when you go second it's it's a bit of a handicap because you know Rachel's already very eloquently you know said a lot um yeah I think it's one of, one of the things for me what one of the things that I do or maybe the thing that I do do that I try to you know when I try and put it down to one thing is is to plug gaps um is to see where there are gaps to see where um you know we can we can connect dots in different ways and then to do that um so a lot of what I do is based around you know I hope anyway trying to create resources and, and 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 to write things that hopefully get people to think in different ways and not only just to get them to think in different ways but to help them to implement certain things into their practice as soon as possible as well and um I think with these these buzzwords that we have that we have today and many of us have been engaging with for the, at least for the last year if not longer um, I think it's very, very important that not only do children see themselves represented and they they get an idea of what um, of what's around them and who they are as well, which I think is something maybe slightly separate, but something that we don't really touch on in education at all. You know, to actually help children, children and young people to understand themselves, um, even outside of, of 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 their racial identities or any other identities that they might have. Um, I think it's important that we are helping we're, we're trying to understand how and why we teach music in the first place i think um what is the reason why we're teaching what we're teaching and for what purpose and for who is this actually really designed for and um and if yeah so it's, it's those questions really there's lots of questions um and i don't know if there's many many if there's all the answers but i think it's important to think about these things because then we start to break apart the things that we have taken for granted and the things that we just believe inherently to be true and um this is part of this is part of the whole discussion i think that's the root of the whole discussion yeah absolutely completely agree i think it's it's a huge discussion that's ongoing um not just recently but um for for many years some would um argue 400 years or more um, I just want to say a little bit about my background. So I'm the Learning Participation Manager for the Chinake Foundation, and I feel incredibly privileged to work with young people of Black and ethnically diverse backgrounds who are um, really doing inc incredible things in classical music. Um, the groups that I work with are aged 11 to 22, so that spans um, secondary school right up into um, when their early career young people in the classical music industry and the other part of my job role is taking our Chinake professional musicians into schools and community spaces across the UK and I've seen firsthand the impact of those incredible role models um, in schools that not only don't usually have live classical music played um, in those settings but also haven't seen black and Asian and ethnically diverse people of um, so many wonderfully different cultural backgrounds playing classical music at that level in front of them and I've, I've just seen the confidence levels of young people um, grow just from those incredible the impact of those role models so I think we should could start the discussion about the curriculum itself and what we're um, talking about here is the GCSE and A-level curriculum which um, will often lead into the hope is that it would lead into tertiary education in conservatoire or university studying music. So I think maybe we can have um, start with Rachel and talk about what the current issues are with the musical curriculum and the way it's taught in UK schools. Yeah, so um, 
So essentially, I, I obviously with a, such a broad audience, um, uh, I'm not 100% sure what people will be aware of and what they won't. So I'll give you a whistle stop. Um, essentially, GCSE music is comprised of three components, a performance component, a composing component, and then a listening exam. Um, and the key issue really for me is how value is attributed. So when we look at the, the listening content or the, the appraising content, it's often called understanding music or appraising music. When we look at that content, the amount of um, time, the amount of space um, and the detail that's afforded to different cultures and styles of music is very skewed. So for example, um, in the AQS, so there are, are three or four main exam boards. Um, for example, in, in one of those main exam boards, there are four areas of study that the students study for their um, GCSE appraising unit, which is worth 40% of the grade. And two of the four areas of study are Western classical music. And then uh, the third area of study is popular music of the West. Uh, it's not explicitly labelled as popular music of the West, but essentially it is popular music of the West. It's film and game and uh, pop and rock. Um, and then the third area, of the fourth area of study, the last one, um, has things like fusions and um, blues and contemporary folk music and contemporary Latin music. So, and we see this pattern repeated across all the exam boards at GCSE. Some of them are... Um, more restrictive than others, more restrictive than what I've just described. Um, we also see things like use of very broad language when we're talking about anything outside of Western uh, cultural music. So Western classical music or Western popular music. Um, lots and lots of very specific expectations and lots of specific language, especially in the guidance that's available for teachers and the resources that are available for teaching from but then resources that may have influences from other places in the world or from other cultures um, often use very generic language. So things like talking about instruments being African, um, juxtaposed to talking about instruments being Celtic um, or perhaps using the term West African, that's probably the closest you get to anything specific. Um, and things like um, a male with using African vocals, things like that, when to be honest, about five minutes of Googling will bring you up with the actual language that's actually being used in the actual song. Um, and, and those are exam board resources, um, resources that are available for, for teachers, resources that are available for young people. Um, you then see that repeated in resources that are created by teachers because where else do they find their information? Um, and so when you're looking for, for, for ways to teach and to communicate this content to your students, um, it gets narrower and narrower and narrower and the language gets broader and broader and broader. And that level of kind of specific specificity is lost. Um, and there's no expectation of it. There's no expectation of it in the in the way that the pupils are assessed. Having said that, they are expected to be able to read and write staff notation. They are expected to be able to orally identify things like chords and types of chords and so on and so forth. So there is a level of, of specificity that is, what is that word? <laughs> that is um, Specificity. That is, that's the word, thank you. <laughs> that is expected of them in the course. It's just that that is restricted to Western classical music and Western popular music. And then when we step up to A level, it's even it's even more stark um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's even more stark to the point that there are A-level syllabuses that hardly look outside of 
Europe and North America at all. And I think the other key thing around this, this issue in the, in the music curriculum is that there are optional um, units and optional pieces of music that students can study, particularly at A-level. But again, the value that's attributed to um, particularly at A-level Western classical music um, is really is really communicated by the fact that those are the compulsory studies and those are the areas of study and the set works that you're not given any choice over and then you can choose out of everything else. So there's an issue there and there's also an issue in the way that performance and composition are graded both at GCSE and A-level. Um, there's nothing to stop young people producing performance or composition from a wide range of um, cultural music, music, cult musical cultural backgrounds. There's nothing to stop them at all. But for their music teachers, it's easier um, and more sort of um, more secure if they can provide uh, written notation for performances and if their composition work conforms to um, an understanding of musical elements in terms of, you know, tempo and dynamics and harmony and tonality and so on and so forth and the descriptions that are asked for at the higher levels are things like a wide range of musical elements used or um you know sophisticated use of musical elements and the question there is what is it that we're labeling as sophisticated what are we calling musical elements you know can we have something that is purely percussive and still say there's a wide range of musical elements being used. So there's this skew. So we're talking about a bias towards a Western classical tradition, yeah. but also in terms of, um, I mean, I'd like to bring Nate in, in how we can see what, what is lacking in the curriculum in terms of how we're reaching those young people from more diverse parts of the country in communities where they may not feel like they can relate to this particular curriculum. I mean, I, I work with young people who um, Western classical music is what they really enjoy playing and the, you know, the kind of construct and the music itself is an avenue into so many other types of music. But I was wondering in terms of helping teachers who seem to be struggling a bit at the moment in how to, to tackle this issue. How do you think, Nate, we, we can help teachers to do that a bit better? I think that's a very good question, and I think it's such a it's such a multifaceted answer. Um, this, the way I see it, is that sometimes it feels like you know the the rhetoric is all about you know teachers, and I can totally understand why there's so many teachers who feel like they can't they don't want to engage with certain conversations because it's too much. You know, on top of everything that's happened with COVID, you know, now you're talking about diversifying your your offering. You know, it's it's, it's a lot to to take in. Um, so in a sense, I want to kind of step back from the teachers for a second and, and, and just kind of talk about that, you know, there's other, there are other industries and there are other people involved in this whole thing that also have responsibility. So, for example, um, exam boards have a responsibility um, to, to understand what's, what's going on, not just um, that people want something different, but to understand the history of where this music comes from, you know, not just from a standpoint of it's, it's European, but understanding that because it's European, um, that's why it's been, it's been regarded as better um, implicitly or explicitly in some cases. I think it's important to look at publishers and what publishers are doing and what they're not doing um, in order to allow for musics of different, different places around the world to actually have 
so we can so we can access them and not in a in a way to notate because that's the way we need to we need to read but finding different ways to to give people access um it's also i think one of the things that zoom and and the, and the pandemic has done is bring people together um in, in in ways that wouldn't have happened before and i think that's a really key point in when we talk about you know um finding support for teachers if you have a child who's a very good doll player for example i saw a comment in the in the um in the chat um we can find people who are experts who can then help you know what i mean um but it's important that we start to do that rather than you know it's, in a sense it's expanding communities and um from my experience i'm realizing that there is some there is there are communities but it could be strong they could be stronger there could be much more of a you know um a, almost a, a a culture of teachers asking for more help in a sense um not just going along and plodding along and you know just struggling along um and not being able and feeling that they can't share what they're going through but really you know understanding that you're going to have from depending on where you are in the country different people from different backgrounds and they're going to bring different things and we and we have to communicate with each other and we have to communicate with those who we don't know and you know have the zoom chats and you know if and, and find the resources to not just to ask people what they're in, in their expertise but to pay them as well and, and not ju not just to ask them for you know for that for that help or can you just help in, with this it's like no like if someone has an expertise in doll for example and i'm using doll because i saw it in the chat then you know find them and and whatever their rate is then then then, then pay them and see them as someone who has expertise in this as opposed to you know what i mean because sometimes yeah. sometimes i think we always have this idea that you know you're a violinist therefore we know the steps you've gone through therefore i see you here and you're a doll player you know okay that's that's great and i, I think you, what you do is great but i not value you the same and i think I this mean, is i i grew up in a within a dual cultural heritage i would say more than two really um being mm -hmm. from a sri lankan family and eastern classical music and western classical music was on equal par at home and we listened because of that we listened to so many other different genres of music as well and um i think it's we're talking about the gatekeepers so we're talking about the industry um we're talking about who is on stage um when i was growing up in the 70s and 80s there were lots more crossovers between um different genres um, and, you know, with a sort of more pluralistic, even greater sort of period now when we have greater access to music, I think the marketplace has kind of restricted us more in, in a very weird way. Um, but funny enough, from, from my practice at Chinake, it's quite interesting that um, what we're uh, uh, trying to achieve is diversifying the industry from the players from the stage outwards. So um, what the reason why Chinookay was started was because there weren't um, black and ethnically diverse people on stages playing classical music. And that I think has made a huge impact on the industry. They, that they've realized that audiences will become more diverse. Our, our audiences generally of 50% or more culturally diverse and age group. And, you know, we have, it's like a party when people come to see Chinookay play. Um, and I think the industry will have to change because the pandemic has had such an effect on audiences that, um, you know, 
the majority of orchestras in the UK, their audiences are not that diverse. And it has to be run through the education system. It, it runs through um, the professionals that, that we see. And it also runs through the people who are funding and investing and making our, you know, this country has one of the greatest music industries in the world, um, which is currently suffering as we know. But um, I just wondered if we could um, talk about a bit on the wider context of what diversity decolonization means. Um, there's all these sort of buzz words or, or phrases that people are using at the moment, like institutional discrimination or, um, and of, of course the impact of Black Lives Matter last year and what COVID itself has exposed in terms of um, the, the way it's put things into relief in terms of like you were talking about um, communities being able to um, meet and come together and what COVID has done has, has created some sense of disparity and um, but it's also brought up a, a lot of inequalities within um, our societies which we, we know it, it's just exaggerated a lot of that. So I, I just wondered if we could just talk about the wider context of why diversifying the music curriculum is significant and how we reach young people in, in a better way, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as an educator who works in a secondary school, I think the key things for me are that our, our job, our role and our sort of moral purpose as educators is not necessarily to find out what the young people already know and already like um, and provide that but is to educate them. And so, you know, I think that all of the, all of the technical skills that the young people are gaining and, and kind of using at the moment, you'd be surprised at the, the amount of skill that they have had to kind of learn um, being educated from home for a large proportion of the last 12 months. You know, it, it opens up a world of opportunity to them to connect with people from all walks of life all over the world. I think the key thing is this reinforcement of where value is placed by what they're being taught. And that is the thing for me. I love teaching Western classical music in most of its forms and I love listening to it. But what I don't want to do is teach my students that this is the most valuable form of music because somebody says it is. And I think that that is the way we need to start to bring the conversation to young people and say you know how are we attributing value here what critical questions do we need to ask there are no critical questions on the GCSE exam so when we're writing about Mozart's clarinet concerto or we're writing about um, Bessie Smith you know what context are we taking into account here what critical questions are we taking into account here young people are curious they want to know about the world they want to link what they're studying in school to their experiences out there in you know in in the world and in their communities regardless of what their communities are um, you know curiosity is, is an incredible thing that we find in young people everywhere and and this to me is the is, is the most important thing and so rather than, you know, kind of really communicating, this is the value, this is where the value is, this is where we've got to spend our time. What we need to say is, there's inherent value in all of this, 
let's ask some critical questions. Let's find out some detail. Let's share some experiences. Let's find out from somebody, you know, who's different to us or who's similar to us. What do you, you know, what do you love? Let's go deeper into it. And those are the things really that, that need to be included, I think that need to be included and need to be thought about. It's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's not chuck it all in the bin. It's just, what lens are we seeing this through? What lens are we teaching this through? And what can, you know, what can we bring that, that will give, prepare young people for their next steps? You know, Shana, you talked about young people studying at GCSE and A-level and then perhaps going on to study music, you know, further. Mm-hmm. How are we preparing them for that? How are we preparing them for the way the world will treat them depending on their experience or depending on their understanding of certain musical cultures or certain musical styles um you know how are we how are we training them to ask for that um you know that payment for their services you know and 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 understand that their musical experience is is as valued as the person next to them so for me it's not about necessarily the actual content it's about the lens that we teach it through and that is the premise behind decolonization, where diversification is about bringing in lots of different things. Decolonization is about whose story are we telling? How are we telling that story? Are we asking that question about, you know, what value is being held here and what value is being taught here and whose views are the ones that are being given precedence? Is there another way to look at this? And, you know, I think we can do that. I think that's possible. Um, and it's also fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think we've, we're kind of going on to what I was going to ask us to talk about next, which is um, what change, <clears throat> excuse me, what change looks like in terms of um, a curriculum? What is the ideal world? And um, I mean, for example, I, I know, Nate, you had that wonderful poster behind you of um, composers of ethnicity. And, um, you know, for me, my journey with Chinake has been learning about Florence B. Price and Joseph um, Boulogne Le Chevalier de Saint-Georges and being able to present that to schools, um, their stories and their music and, and how incredible, you know, I've, I've got to the age I am and not had that experience and been able to share that. So I'm wondering, you know, in terms of what you do, Nate, um, and how you contribute to making those changes within the curriculum. Yeah, I, th- I think um, it's, again, like I said, it's like plugging those gaps. So growing up myself, you know, there was always this, 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 it wasn't even a, a verbal question. I don't even know how, how conscious I was that I was asking these questions, but, you know, not seeing yourself represented in different spaces and in different music, you know, led me to believe that, well, I'll just be frank, black people don't do classical music. Like I did it as a little as a, as a as a child, but I never saw you know I was playing the clarinet. I never saw literally never saw a, a, a black clarinet player. I never saw an Asian clarinet. Player. I never saw anyone who wasn't white playing the clarinet. Um, and that's either um, jazz or classical um, at that point in my life, you know. And so for me, it's like going through the education system, not seeing myself. I think it's very important that you know I do what I can to help young people see themselves. Um, and I don't know exactly what that's going to do for them, because for everyone, it's going to be different. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you see a black female composer like these, that these women here, and you decide you want to be a, a, a composer just because you've seen them. Um, there might be one out of a thousand um, 
women who see that and say, yes, I want to do that. Um, but even for, for anyone else who sees, you see that it's possible and you don't see, you know, a, a black woman as a composer as something different, you know? Um, so that's why, you know, make resources like this. That's why I have this t-shirt, for example, with black female composers on it. I wear this because, you know, it's, again, it's just the visual representation of the, of the women who have done incredible things that we don't talk about and that I never came across and many people have never come across um, for, for reasons which are, I think, very, very obvious. Um, so I think in terms of thinking about the curriculum, um, personally, I think it has to start all the way from early years. I, I don't think yeah, it's absolutely. something that we can, we can straight away look at GCSE and say we have to change this because I think what happens is that we have early years and we have key stage two, key stage three, and, and, and it's all very, it all feels and looks very, very separate. And I do believe that if we were able to, yeah. to have a thread through everything, you can And then about it's everything. about access, isn't it? It's, it's, it's that first access and experience that counts. And whether that's with, when you see a, a musician that looks like you, that, that, that makes a difference. Um, whether, you know, you even have access at all to music at school. That's a huge issue right now. Um, I think someone just um, put into the chat that, right now it's just purely access for, for people who are living in areas which are, that access is just not possible, whether that's economic or, um, you know, geographical, whatever the reason. Um, I know we haven't talked about it, but um, in terms of music hubs and how music hubs deliver music, um, they are very much embedded in communities, but there's, there's such a disparity, there's such a difference all, all around the country. And of course, in urban areas, it will be more diverse because of the communities they work in. But, but still, um, we see those inequalities very clearly in music teaching and learning. Sorry, not teaching so much, but the way in which children can access um, music learning. And that's instrumental learning as much as it is. I mean, um, I don't know about you, but when I was, um, I play violin and when I was seven years old, I, all my lessons were for free. Um, if you wanted to carry on, then there was a Saturday morning orchestra paid for by the local council. It was all very much about nurturing musicians of the future. And all of those people are probably my age now are in the industry, but we don't have that situation right now. And I totally agree, it has to be from, year zero upwards um because then it's part of your life it's it's who who you become and you have that opportunity and you have that choice um can i just jump in there for a second of course yeah um just just talking about access um it's it's such an important and a, and, and a crazy thing i think when we actually step back and think about you know music history and how we see certain people and what's happening now it's incredible so you know, we talk about children not having access to musical instruments now, right? But then my mind goes to Mozart, born in 1756, which is a long time ago, right? To remember this, 1756, the United States isn't the United States at that point, right? Like we're, we're looking at 1776 for the United States to actually become the United States, right? Um, he's born then, he's born in Austria, and he's he has the ability, because of his father, to learn how to play, um, you know, what would have been, you know, uh, the clavichord, you know, a, a type of piano that not necessarily what we have today, right? And you just, for a second, just think about that, that we call Mozart a genius, right? And we say he's written all this great music and look at him, look at him. He had access in 1756 to an instrument in his house. 
we're in 2021 and there are children in England who don't have access. You just think about that for a second. When we think about Mozart and we think about the genius that he, that he was and, and, but there's a thing called privilege that when we actually zoom out and we look at him, we think, actually, you know what? Yes, you made great music, but you had access and you had a lot of things around you that able, enabled you to do that. And there are a lot of children who are making incredible music on their phones as we speak, literally as we speak. And you just imagine what they could do if they had access to something other than just an iPhone. It's crazy when you, when you really think about it. And I think that's a really good point about um, having support from home as well. And, you know, that you, you have a full ecosystem that's supporting you um, in, in terms of wanting to become a musician. I mean, some parents are very reluctant to, put, to help their young people go down that path because they're, they're worried about their futures. I mean, you touched on that earlier, Rachel. And, you know, the insecurity of, of the music industry can be very frightening for parents. Um, I'm, I'm, I wonder if we can move on to being a little bit more optimistic about it in, in the sense of um, if you can both give me any examples of how you think things are changing um, and where you think change may be happening. In yeah, so um, I think that music teachers are in the secondary context which is where where I'm based I think that music teachers are becoming more aware um and as they become more aware and and they and and we have to include myself in this you know as we become more aware and as we become um more sort of in tune with what these issues are we're we're quicker and more able to spot what these issues are and we're quicker and more able to spot where actually perhaps we've just said something or taught something or told a child something that actually morally we don't agree with or a way that we can challenge you know we have to teach we have to teach these these qualifications you know we have a, a moral duty to, to ensure that our pupils achieve the very best they can within the system we can't just book the system and and be like it doesn't matter if this kid doesn't get a grade because i don't agree with with the gcse or the a level so we have to teach that but i think that more and more teachers are saying hang on this set work is full of anti-semitic tropes I'm going to raise that with my students. I'm going to make sure that they understand the concept of what was going on when this was written, what the composer is trying to do, what's being said about this character through the musical choices that are being made and so on and so forth. And I think these conversations are being had. And I also think that there is this incredible sense of, you know, um, let me ask, can I ask you this question? What do you think of this? You know, I'm really worried about doing that. Or how do you, how do you do this thing in your school um, amongst music teachers who perhaps wouldn't have necessarily connected in these ways before COVID, um, but are, you know, getting involved in discussions like this one and saying, you know, this is my context. What would you suggest for this? Or I've got this question, or I'm really concerned about this issue. I feel really uncomfortable. And there's this kind of collegiate kind of, um, let's all get together and try and resolve this to the best of our ability. I, I think that's very encouraging. Um, and I think that we will and can solve a lot of, of the dilemmas and the, and the kind of moral dilemmas inherent in what we're having to do at the moment um, by taking that approach and by, by 
collaborating and by sharing our skills and our knowledge and our understanding pointing each other in the direction of um you know answers or at least some solutions um and i feel like that that's happening that's definitely something that i've been part of and i've been encouraged to see more of so i think that's really great <laughs> yeah I, I totally agree i think the debate has definitely moved on and accelerated and especially in the past couple of years um and during the pandemic and kind of in line as well with what happened last year with Black Lives Matter, I think it's really put all of this at the forefront and that's obviously why we're discussing it, but um, I think uh, a lot of us have felt sort of kind of behind a glass wall for a long time and I'm, I'm really glad that we are finally really talking about this. Um, Nate, what do you think, where, where do you see change happening? I see it happening in conversations. I see it happening in conversations. I think we're, we're quite a way off now um from from seeing you know the certain examples because obviously they are always um they're updating what they're doing but it takes years you know they might put something out and it might take three four years for that cycle to run through and then they bring out something new so we're not going to see certain examples changing things anytime soon abrsm for example etc um but there are conversations being had about that um conversations i've been i've been very fortunate to be a part of um, which is great to see that you know there are there are organizations who are thinking about what they're doing and seeing how they can offer more offer more diverse um, uh, offerings even if they are still you know based around western classical music but we have to start from somewhere and i also think in terms of conversations the conversations that are happening even on on, on teacher forums you know every now and again i'll come across a, a comment where someone might I saw a comment um, not too long ago, someone asked about some African drumming resources. And the next comment underneath was, yeah, we shouldn't be saying that, you know, what resources are you looking for? Where, where are you looking for these resources? And, you know, just, just that is a, is a big difference because it's not someone shouting and on their salt box telling you what you need to do. This is, this is people who have who've listened to what Rachel said and what you've said, Ishani, and other people have said and thought to themselves, hang on a second, how can I be doing this better? Um, and not only that, but then starting to, you know, not only think about what they're doing, but to see how other people are speaking and what they're doing and say, hang on a second, no, we shouldn't be doing that because of what I've learned before. So I think conversations are happening, which is great. Um, yeah, we just have to keep, keep moving forward and keep going because otherwise, you know, things will run out of steam. We've seen it happen. You know, there's been, there's been a lot of things that have happened in the last five years that we haven't really spoken about. Um, and and so, and there's been and slavery and and colonization, and it's been going on for for hundreds of years. Yeah, so there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, there is a lot of work to do. And um, when I joined Trinity three years ago, I want I was really wanting to to be part of that organ the organization because I could see the impact that was happening from outside. And now being inside, I I know that it's um, created. A kind of wave through the industry to, for, for people to sort of look internally and, and think about what, um, who they're reaching out to, um, why they exist. And, um, you know, for example, in terms of research um, into black composers or um, who is engaging with classical music, that's, that was virtually zero five years ago before Chinookay started. Um, I think the last kind of proper bit of um, academic research into who was applying to music um, at a high level at um, conservatoire was in 2010. And in that year, there were a hundred people who identified as black or ethnically diverse, um, and none of them got into any conservatoires in, in the UK. 
Um, I don't know, we, we are involved in some research. There, are, there is much more research going on in, in how young people are, are progressing. Um, but right now, yes, again, what we're talking about is the environment still isn't good enough in order for us to be nurturing those young people. Um, when Chichin Wanaku started Chinake, um, she was basically told those young people don't exist. There aren't any black violinists out there. What, who, where are you going to start? And that kind of, I always keep that in my head because I think um, for me, when I got to 18 and I was making a choice, I, I walked around the conservatoires and it just didn't seem like a good fit for me. I didn't feel like I belonged at all. But now through you know the past three years, we have more um, black and ethnically diverse young people in conservatoires than ever before. And I think that's, an in, 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 it's not very, much you know statistically not very high numbers but I, I, I think it is I feel like they're at the forefront of a really big change um, and and that will have ripples through the industry yeah exactly what you were saying it will take some time and it has to to, to bed in but they need to that support still needs to be available to them that we still need to be encouraging we still need to energize um, and come and come together and, and create that support. Um, I'm wondering if, Rachel, do you have anything else um, to say about that, the end of the discussion, or should we go to the Q&A? Let's go to the Q&A. I could talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Um, great. So, Shannon, if you'd like to um, open up the floor for the questions. Yeah, of course. I mean, the, the chat uh, has been um, very active. Uh, so I won't quite be able to read out everything. I think I'm going to, I mean, there have been some great comments, but I'm going to skip straight to the first question, um, which is what next steps could young professionals working in the arts take immediately to help drive this change? Can you signpost organisations, schools, projects doing this well? Good question. Who would like to take that question? <laughs> Um, I will I will talk a little bit uh, let me talk a little bit about what I think um, uh, young professionals in the, who are in the arts industry can do in terms of um, role models I've not really talked about role, role models but Ashani and Nate both have talked about um, being able to see yourself in um, you know in in a role essentially um, and I think that the work that Jenny K do is really important and I think that I really identify personally with what Nate has said about um, not seeing black black musicians in particular walks of musical life um, and I think that that is a really key issue for young people and I think we underestimate the impact of role models until we have an experience where somebody is a role model for us and we identify with them when we didn't have that experience before it's definitely been very very kind of poignant for me so I think that young professionals who are currently in the arts um of all of all backgrounds and not just you know I think we talk about a post-colonial lens this isn't just about ethnicity or race you know there are a wide range of issues that um, a colonial approach brings and so I think young people who are who are currently working in the arts young professionals who are currently working in the arts have an incredible amount of value to bring by basically just being visible by being as visible as they can and by brid bridging those gaps between where they are and where they've come from as students and young people in secondary um, education secondary you know GCSE and A-level education and really 
um, kind of raising the profile of some of the challenges that they've experienced, um, depend, you know, regardless of what characteristics um, we, we hold, you know, some of the challenges that have been experienced, some of the um, ways that they have managed to overcome some of those challenges, but also really setting up and creating <clears throat> a safe and welcoming community of musicians for the musicians that are coming up you know kind of behind them so really being visible and really being open and honest and passionate and excited about you know about these issues and about other issues that are related to music and, and being a musician and music curricula um you know at, at secondary school and beyond secondary school because young people need to know that somebody young people in, in education need to know that somebody is bothered about this someone who's in it somebody who knows what they're talking about someone who's doing it is aware of the issues that they are facing as they look to continue to be involved in music and to be musicians and you know to experience music in a wide variety of ways so i think if you're if you're making music if you are a musician you're a young professional you know be visible have an opinion give your opinion you know welcome the people into the conversation keep looking for ways to further the conversation um and and you know challenge people's perceptions and also i sort of i was sorry to interrupt i was just going to say that to augment and advocate for organizations and people and individuals who are doing this right now and um also historically you know make it your purpose and your reason to, to go out and research and there's plenty of resources out there now. Um, it's very much, much more accessible than it was when I was a child. Um, and of course there's Google, but you know, I think in, in terms of, um, you know, informing yourself, there's a lot of um, material that you can do. And um, by really augmenting those organizations that are, are really advocating for this, it, it really helps, um, you know, it, coming from inside one of those organizations I think it is it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of efforts and a lot of negativity sometimes to to get this message across um, and it can be quite a struggle some sometimes and I think it's really to, to show your support is one of the best things you can do but if people do want to get involved in stuff that's happening I, I always recommend Twitter, Twitter because there's 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 a there's a, a bunch of really amazing people on there um, who are always sharing things, talking about what they're doing, um, sharing events such as this one, for example. Um, so I recommend you to jump on Twitter and 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 to to find the, and to find those people. I highly recommend you to do that. Thanks very much. I'm going to um, go to a question a bit further down, which is, how are sites of music education other than the school able to attend to these issues in ways that the construct the constrictive nature of the curriculum and the wider institution won't allow what can be learnt from these sites go on Ashani no no all I was going to say what what sites mean does does it mean an online place or or does it mean um, a venue or sorry I, I wasn't quite sure about the context but maybe um, Rachel you understand the question a bit better than I do no I, I was going to try and clarify the, the, the question slightly but I think that um I think I can sort of say more broadly um, where schools are constricted by the curriculum. Um, what adds huge amounts of value is where organisations who are not constricted in the same way provide really high quality um, resources and information. Quite a lot of the questions are asking, where can I find resources? Where can I find data? Where can I find information? How can I back up what I'm saying? And, you know, I wish I had a long list for you, um, but I don't. 
you basically you have to search you have to search and you have to research and you have to find people whose work you can trust because you've heard them speak and then you have to go through you know the, the their their content and then follow those links back um and i think that organizations that are not constricted by curriculum and can um can you know be more for example controversial or who can spend their time energy and resources on um you know pr producing information that is well supported by evidence and is detailed you know that that's a massive resource that's a massive thing that schools and school teachers and music teachers and heads of music just can't do we just can't do it we don't have that capacity so organizations who do have that capacity if they can you know for example commissioning artists from diverse backgrounds or commissioning research you know we're talking about research you know, it, it would be absolutely incredible to be able to walk into an SRT meeting with a piece of incredible research about the impact of diversity on KPIs in a secondary school. Does it exist? You know, if it does, ping it over to me because I'll use it next week. You know, and, and I think those are the things that we can't do. And if other organisations have the space to do that, you know, I would I think all schools would open, you know, would open their arms and say, yeah, this is awesome. And we, we can definitely learn from that. Um, we can definitely learn from that. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. Um, but this is this is one of the things. If I may, this is what, what I try to do is yeah. is to just is to do just that. So, for example, like you know the poster that I created here, the the books, um, the t-shirt. You know what I mean? Um, at, at, the, at the moment, at, on on my on, on one of my websites, I've got a I've got a, a few like listening activities, which kind of you know, especially now in COVID, allow you to you know to to share it with your classes or, or whoever you want to share it with with a few questions, whether it's, you know, I, the last one I did was on tooth and throat singing, for example. Um, and there's been others about, you know, different musics, different instruments, it doesn't matter. Um, and I just started a podcast, which started on Monday. Um, so for the next 12 weeks, every week, there's going to be a different episode talking about a different um, composer or musician for our history, um, or even a different idea. Um, there's still a few things I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I'm going to do, um, but don't tell anyone. And um, I'm definitely going to check that out. I would really recommend. Have... I have to say, I have to say, let's have a, a big up Nate moment because, f again, for people who are saying in the chat, you know, what resources um, can I use? Have you got any suggestions? I'm, you know, I need some support here. You know, Nate publishes some brilliant stuff, and what you can do is you can you can go to his blog and see that he said, okay, here's a piece of music. This is how he's deconstructed it. This is how he's asked. These are the kinds of questions he's asked. This is the kind of language he's used. I can now create one of my own so now I've got two or um one of the things I really like about what Nate does is he takes resources that we all sort of take for granted a little bit and says this is the issue with this thing have you noticed and when you notice you then notice that issue everywhere in everything you look at and you have had this moment of education in a really um a really easy to digest manner so if you're looking for a place to start very much recommend Nate's blog and probably his podcast too, although I didn't hear it on Monday, but I will, I will. <laughs> the, the other thing I was going to say just in addition is that, I, that venues and large scale, I mean, they're suffering right now a bit, but I, they have a responsibility as well to support this because they are outside of the, you know, and usually they will have a learning program that connects with communities. And, um, but it's what they put on stage that really counts. Um, and that has to be on par with Mozart and Beethoven. And, um, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be si siloed somewhere else. 
um, if we want to educate ourselves, my first experiences were, were free music um, performances at the Southbank Centre. Um, and I was taken as a very small child, you know, and, and sat in the World Festival Hall for free and watched a concert. So, I mean, that's kind of what I've, I've now, the reason why I do what I do is because of those experiences. Um, so it's, it's up to those venues to invest and to support and champion a more diverse um, range of musical choices. Uh, music as a subject, both at GCSE and A-level over the past couple of years, is no longer being offered in many state schools, making music as a subject even more inaccessible. To address this, potentially more emphasis should be placed on the value of music in schools. I know that sort of touches on some of the things we've spoken about already, but just wonder if you have any thoughts on that in particular. I definitely have some thoughts on that. <laughs> definitely have some thoughts on that. Um, so yeah, there are lots of issues uh, in terms of, again, how value is communicated to young people around the options that they are able to choose at GCSE and A-level. Um, so music is a compulsory subject. All students have to be um, able to study it during key stage one, essentially one, two and three. And then at key stage four, it has to be offered. But if there's no take up or, you know, in the time, in the years that I've been teaching, I've seen it done in all sorts of different ways. I've seen GCSE music done as an extracurricular activity and I've seen it done as a, you know, you don't actually take music, but you have music lessons. And so we'll give you some stuff so you can sit the exam. Um, and then there are schools where they've got three, four, five classes of students doing GCSE, BTEC, A-level, level three technical qualifications and vocational courses. So there's a, a, a wide range of things happening. I think that um, governors, in schools, head teachers and uh, senior leadership teams need to be committed to music education in all its glory and in all of the things that it needs. It's quite a needy aspect of the curriculum. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think rightly so. I don't think that's an issue. I think that music teachers, you know, music teachers who come in to deliver specialist music should be paid and they should be paid a living wage and they should be paid more than a living wage because actually they're blinking brilliant and they're experts you know so these things do cost money and music educate but music education has value and I think that we need to um just continue to encourage that approach and to showcase schools who are doing a great job of that it's very challenging there are lots of pressures on schools and on senior leadership teams to meet a lot of different criteria um, but it is definitely possible so yeah I believe that music should be valued in the curriculum and I think a key issue is where we allow schools and there have been some very significant um, projects that do this where we allow schools and we allow young people to have a dip in dip out tokenistic you'll do this on a carousel or in year three you'll play the violin for a little bit mm. approach and it's just it just causes absolute devastation as you go up through your music education so you know i'm clearly very biased but i think everyone should do music all the time and it's perfectly possible <laughs> in education <laughs> and, and we've seen so many great examples like you're saying of, of state schools that have put music at the heart of their yeah. curriculum um kingsdale school is one example that i know of who i visited um and right next door is dulwich college you know a very expensive private school and you know, we know that pri the private system, they're putting music and the arts at the, the centre of the curriculum and every all the other subjects are satellites to that. Um, so in terms of research, we know that it's really important part of children's learning. Um, so why aren't we investing in it in the state system and why aren't we believing in it as, as a core subject um, right 
from you know preschool to uh, university um sorry nate if you, if you go ahead no i i think i think rachel said i think she said it all really um yeah, yeah. It, it, i think it needs to be a bit more not a bit more it needs to be a lot more for, I think the, the crazy thing about music is that if you're doing it in school, there, there, is, the, there is the potential to learn, especially to what Western classical music, Italian, IT skills, physically, you're, you're playing, playing, play, blowing, whatever it is. The um, maths, it's huge. Maths, even though I'm kind of on the fence with that, that's personally, but I, but I understand. <laughs> um english comprehension you know um history you know so it geography it incorporates so many different other subjects that we that we already that we already do with i mean even if it's you know building building your own you come like to like dt and building your own you know um instrument out of whatever it is you know like you know it's something that it's funny enough we do it when we're like young kids getting an empty bottle and filling it with like beans but then i don't know it's like as soon as the age of five it's like well you can't do that Pots of pounds. we don't we don't do that anymore which is really funny yeah. isn't it, when you think about it um because and also the I'm, other skills that you learn when you when you become a musician um you know of, of listening of communal working of of um being part of an ensemble and all those other skills that you that you learn um that you can't really put a price on and i i just think it's it's anyway do we have I, I, time for can i just can i just add to, can i just add to that i think that that what you've both said is really 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 true and really really key but i think as well music is an inherent part of being human and it, it that's it you know that's it it's an inherent part of being human and so if we take it out of the education system what is it that we're saying and i think that despite the fact that you know a few minutes ago i was saying you know schools under a lot of pressure this and that da 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 head teachers you know rah, rah, rah. you know all of that is true but it is possible there are schools who are saying within the context of all of these pressures we'll do this awesome stuff and there's a, a suggestion and there's a, a, a an indication of a school in the chat as well where somebody said um galleons primary is doing an amazing job in east london there yeah. are schools that are doing it um so i just want to kind of say you know this is possible we can do it um and sometimes i think it's just about vision it's just about vision and, and being a bit and risk i mean so for some some schools it might seem like yeah. a risk yeah, but exactly. um you know i think at, at the same time it, it is um all culture is is a it's a leap and um i think in 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 a sense that we we can give that to young people as well that within their everyday lives and i completely agree that music is inherently human we we hear our mother's heartbeat in the womb and that's the first time we hear music really um and i couldn't live without it i don't know i think everybody even if you don't see yourself as musical my 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 other half doesn't sing in tune but he loves music and he'll sing along to anything um i don't stop him from doing that just because he can't sing in tune i think it's it's important that we <laughs> that we make it singing do it do it <laughs> although you know i'm sitting there like this but anyway um no I, I i just think that love of music from a very early age is is so important um and it's it it individualizes it gives you identity it's so yeah well i think the love of music is probably a really nice note to end on um which um yeah absolutely fascinating discussion thank you so much um to all three of you um 
hopefully, I think there are lots of unanswered questions and lots of comments. Um, so we might sort of think of a way to collate these afterwards and um, perhaps come up with another platform or blog or something where we can, um, you know, sort of take that further. Um, obviously, because we've we're just scratching the surface this evening. So, yes. um, yeah. so yeah, so we'll look at what we can do after this discussion. But just to finish off, just to say thank you so much to Ishani, Nate and Rachel. Um, thank you. Thank you so much to everybody that came to this event, to this YPI event. Just again, a final thanks from me to you all. Um, and thank you for coming. And please do keep in touch with YPIA and look at our website and also um, all the other resources we've popped in the chat. But thank you very much. Good night.